0: While I was doing uh, seminary a few years ago, I was uh, finishing up seminary at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And at the time, we were living a couple of hours south of Chicago in Pontiac, Illinois. And so I would uh, commute two hours north into Chicago to take classes and then drive two hours home when the classes were over. And so I was trying to minimize the number of days I had to be in class. And so uh, I would try to stack as many classes as possible onto one day so that I would only have to drive up once or twice a week. And um, what I would do is I would leave Pontiac at about 4.30 in the morning so I could avoid Chicago rush hour traffic, which is terrible. And I would leave at 4.30 in the morning and I would get up there and I would have an 8 a.m. class. And then I would stack my classes all in one day. So I would have class, 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 class all through the day. I'd have different classes. And my last class would get over about 9 p.m. And then, you know, you're up there. Nobody's around. Nobody's calling or texting. You know, your kids aren't saying, Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I need this. And so you could really focus in and work. And so after my class would get over at 9 o'clock at night, I would go to the student center and I would work and study until they closed campus down at midnight. And then I would get back in the car and drive two hours back home. So, you know, I would leave at like 4.30 a.m. Wednesday morning, and I would get home at 2 a.m. Thursday morning. And that was a really long day. Um, And so there were times when I was driving home, and I was falling asleep at the wheel, and my car would start drifting, you know. And so in the wintertime, you roll your windows down on the interstate and just freeze yourself awake, um, you know, blast the music as loud as possible, I think David Crowder has saved my life a few times because he's kept me awake on the road. And I tweeted that to him and he never responded. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, and, and and I'll be honest, there are some times when I drove home and I remember getting into my car in the Moody Bible Institute parking lot and I remember getting out of my car in my driveway, but I don't really remember anything in between there. Um, and somehow God got me home and... Uh, There were just times when I thought, how can I stay awake and get through this? Because I just don't have it in me. And I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Like there's something that you just don't have the strength to do. Have you ever felt like, how am I going to get through this season, this time, this struggle? And, And think specifically about suffering. Have you ever gone through a difficult time in your life? And honestly wondered if you were going to make it. And you really didn't know. How do you handle that kind of suffering? How do you handle hardship and challenges in life? Does does your suffering cause you to sort of fall asleep on your faith? Do do you begin to question the goodness and the character of God? You know, how could a loving God allow such pain? Is that where you go? You, You sort of are weary from the challenges and the struggles of life and you begin to fall asleep on Jesus and you begin to drift in your faith? How does your your suffering impact your faith? Or maybe we should say, how does your faith in Jesus change the way you suffer? Should Christians suffer differently than people who don't follow Jesus? In the scene from Mark's Gospel that we're going to look at today, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, It is, I think, the climactic turning point in Jesus' earthly life and ministry. This is the point at which he begins to experience the weight of the cross. This is the point at which Jesus begins his suffering. Not on the cross, not when he was scourged, but in the garden the night before. This is the beginning of his suffering. And as we study this story, we will see what is the way through not around suffering. How do you get through, not not, not avoid the difficult times, how do you get through the difficult times in our lives? In your Bibles, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 14, about 2,000 years ago, during Passover week, on Thursday night, Jesus ate a meal with his disciples. And it wasn't the Passover meal. It was a new covenant meal. It was a meal that Christians today called the Lord's Supper. And, and in this meal, it was very significant, it was very special, it was very symbolic, and it, it instituted a new covenant between God, not just between God and Israel, but between God and all of humanity. And this new covenant wasn't established on the blood of a lamb that was sacrificed by a priest according to the law of Moses. This new covenant between God and mankind was established by the blood of Jesus Christ, sacrificed on the cross according to the will of God the Father. And he he set up this new covenant of grace. And we don't have to repeat that over and over and over again because his blood was shed once and for all, and we receive mercy in him. And this is the setting, this is the context of this scene. They've just eaten the Lord's Supper, this special new covenant meal. And and when they finished eating that, they sang some worship music together, and then they left the house where they were staying, and they went to a local olive grove called the Garden of Gethsemane, and they were going to spend the night there in prayer. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping. Because their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest "'Cutting off his ear. "'Am I leading a rebellion,' said Jesus, "'that you come out with swords and clubs to capture me? "'Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, "'and you did not arrest me. "'But the scriptures must be fulfilled.' "'Then everyone deserted him and fled. "'A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment "'was following Jesus. "'And when they seized him, he fled naked.' Leaving his garment behind. Uh, just as a side note, this young man that uh, uh, was following Jesus in his nightgown, the Bible doesn't identify who he was, but uh, many scholars and, and uh, some teaching in the early church taught that that was John Mark, who is the author of the Gospel of Mark that we've been reading. And so he, he was following Jesus, they grabbed him, he slipped out of his nightgown and ran away naked. This is the scene, this is the story from Mark's gospel. And I think the big idea for us this morning is this, stay awake and stay with Jesus. When you are facing the darkest night of the soul, when you are struggling in the deepest depths of despair, when you you feel like you have no hope and no alternative, when you are suffering, stay awake and stay with Jesus. Jesus here's how Jesus said it in verse 38 which I think is the key verse of this passage watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and isn't that so true in our lives when we get into a a difficult season of life when pain comes when suffering happens and we don't know why and we can't see through it We oftentimes have good intentions, but we begin to question the character and the love and the goodness of God. We can fall asleep on our faith and drift away from our Savior. And so Jesus says, watch and pray. Stay awake and stay with Jesus. Now, as we uh, dig into this passage, I have three implications I want to share with you today. And I want to give credit to uh, Tim Keller, who is the author of a really great book on the Gospel of Mark called uh, Jesus the King. It's an excellent book. I would highly recommend it. Jesus the King by Tim Keller, the study on the Gospel of Mark. And his perspective on this passage really challenged me and really helped me in my study. So I want to share that with you this morning. I think there are three implications for us to consider and apply to our lives from this scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the first one is this. Sometimes suffering is part of God's plan. Sometimes difficult times in life are part of God's will for us. I think one of the most profound truths in this story is that Jesus' suffering was not a surprise. To God it was not nobody was surprised by this except the disciples because Jesus suffering was part of God's plan for his life in verse 41 Jesus says the hour has come it's time I've seen it coming I know that it's here now it's here the hour has come this hour the hour of his suffering had been foretold over 700 years before Jesus was born by the prophet Isaiah. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 53.
1: Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance, that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and family with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had, no, he, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors
0: those words are so moving and powerful and to know that they were written over 700 years before jesus was born is amazing his suffering was not a surprise it was part of god's plan and as the pillar new testament commentary says What profound irony Gethsemane reveals, for when Jesus feels most excluded from God's presence, he is in fact closest to God's will. The moment when Jesus began to experience separation from God the Father, when he felt like God was farther away than he had ever experienced before, he was in fact exactly in the center of God's will. Jesus' suffering was part of God's plan for his life. And sometimes our suffering is part of God's plan for our lives. In 2015, I was blessed to go on a mission trip to Guatemala. And I got to serve in a home for abused girls called Hope and Future. And while we were there, uh, we got to baptize. I got to baptize nine girls who had given their lives to Christ. And I think there's a picture of them uh, up there. So we had this baptism service, and we invited the whole community to come out and hear the gospel and see these girls get baptized. And there were about 120 people that showed up for this baptism service. And one of these young ladies, her name was Yuri, and she was 15 at the time. And she wanted to share her testimony with the gathering of people who had come to see her get baptized. And she stood up, and she began to speak. And Yuri was 15, and she had a a 2-year-old daughter. And she told about how early on in her life, before she was 10 years old, her dad began to rape her night after night after night after night. He used her sexually over and over and over again. And this went on for years. And when she was 12, she became pregnant with her father's child. And she tried to commit suicide and it didn't work. And she tried to, do, uh, to abort the baby, and it didn't work. And finally, the government stepped in and pulled her out of that abusive home and put her in the hospital, and she delivered a little baby girl, and she tried to kill that infant, and it didn't work. And, and when she recovered from the, the delivery, the hospital sent her to Hope and Future. And while she was there, she began to experience the love of god the father love from a father that she had never experienced before and she began to see who he was and she began to experience the love of christ and the peace and the comfort and the healing that the holy spirit could bring to her as she accepted the gospel and received jesus as her lord and savior And she's standing up and she's telling this story to about 120 people who've come to see her get baptized. And she says, she's 15 years old, and she says, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me. Because if I had not experienced that pain, I would have never ended up at Hope and Future. I would have never heard about Jesus. And I would have never known the love that God has shared with me. This is a 15 year old girl. And while she's talking, her two year old daughter is like wandering around her feet, and she's gone from somebody who tried to kill that baby to a loving and affectionate mother who's experienced the transforming power of God. And for her to say, I wouldn't change any of it. And I thought, she needs to come on a mission trip here. (laughs) What a powerful story. God allowed her to suffer because it was through her suffering that he brought her to eternal life and healing and love that she had never experienced before. Sometimes when God allows us to suffer, it's clear why. It was clear why God allowed Jesus to suffer while that was part of his plan. It was clear. If Jesus had not suffered, we could not be saved. If Jesus had not died, you could not live. If Jesus had not taken our sin upon himself, we would not be able to receive his righteousness credited to our account. Jesus suffered for a purpose, and it was really clear. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, John 3.17. That's why Jesus suffered. Sometimes, though, and this is where it gets hard, sometimes we don't really understand why we suffer. Sometimes it's clear, but sometimes it's not. And and to be honest, I don't always know why God allows pain and suffering in the world. But here's what I know. God is good. And and, and if he has allowed suffering to come into my life, there must be a purpose for it. There must be a reason why he's allowing me to experience this pain. He must be trying to form something in me that I wouldn't have if I didn't go through the difficult time in life. So I don't understand it, but I know that he is good. And the question is, do you trust God? When suffering happens and you don't understand the why, do you trust God? Sometimes suffering is part of God's plan. Uh, The second implication is this. The pain of suffering is real. There's a reason why difficult times in life are difficult, because they hurt. They really do. It's painful. It hurts. Jesus' suffering in the garden was painful. His pain was real. Verse 33 says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Another way to translate that is that he was astonished and horrified. This is the first time in his life when Jesus begins to experience separation from God the Father. And he prayed, take this cup from me, in verse 36. But his prayer was ignored. God didn't listen to his prayer and take the cup away from him. This was the cup of God's wrath poured out against judgment against sin. And Isaiah described that cup as a cup of staggering. When God allowed Jesus to have a sip of the cup of his wrath, Jesus staggered. Verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed. One sip of the cup of God's wrath was enough to stagger Jesus and cause him to fall. And he cried out to God and he said, take this cup from me because he is beginning to experience separation from God. But here is the really powerful thing in this passage. When Jesus turned to the Father in prayer, there was no answer. For the first time in his human life, Jesus is separated from God, Up to this point, whenever he turned to the Father in prayer, heaven opened up for him. He heard the Father speak back to him. He experienced the glory of God. But now, for the first time in his life, he turns to the Father in prayer, he opens his heart, and there is nothing there but darkness. When Jesus turned to God in prayer, heaven didn't open. Instead of getting heaven, he got hell. That's what he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. The pain of his suffering was real. It was raw. It was gritty. It hurt. And the pain of your suffering is real. It's real. Let's not downplay the reality of the pain that we experience in life. You know, I I always get um, a little annoyed at Christian radio DJs because they have this sort of fake happiness all the time. Like, life isn't really hard, you know. Hey, Jill, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. My aunt died of cancer. My cat got ran over by a car. I fell down the stairs and broke my wrist in two places. Ho, 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 clumsy me. I have kidney stones. My, My husband filed for divorce yesterday. But you know what? life's never been better yeah okay let's play this cool song right that kind of phony baloney fake happiness is not what the bible calls us to like ryan pointed out last week the bible calls us to be authentic the pain of suffering is real it's okay to not be okay This is a place, we are a church family, where it is okay to not be okay. You don't have to be all put together all the time with your shiny plastic, I'm okay face on. But you can be real, you can be honest, we will pray for you and encourage you, and you can bring the pain that you're experiencing to God. And that brings me to the third implication from this story. The way through suffering is to stay awake and stay with jesus you can get through difficult times in your life when you watch and pray with jesus because here's the truth in jesus we have a god who understands what it means to suffer god endured the worst suffering possible because of his great love for us and because he suffered for us As one of us, he suffered with us. Jesus understands your hurt and your pain and your loss. He understands your suffering. And in him, we find the strength we need to get through the dark night of the soul. You don't have to suffer alone. Jesus is there for you. Have you ever been abandoned? Jesus was abandoned. Every single one of his disciples deserted him. Have you ever been betrayed? Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his best friends. Have you ever been rejected? Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Have you ever been lied about? Jesus was falsely accused, and those lies led to him being tortured to death On the cross. Have you ever lost a loved one? Jesus experienced separation from God the Father. He literally experienced hell for you. He understands your suffering. And Jesus suffered so that we would not have to suffer alone. The way through suffering is not a way around suffering, we can't avoid it. Sometimes suffering is part of God's plan, but the pain of suffering is no match. For the love of Christ. And the way through suffering is to stay awake and stay with Jesus. It is to watch and pray so that you don't fall asleep on your faith. So that you don't fall into the temptation to question the goodness of God. But so that you come to God and bring your pain and your suffering. And if you stay awake and stay with Jesus, he will get you through. And you say, that sounds good. That's, that's a nice and encouraging message. Thank you. But how do we actually do this in our lives? I think Mark gives us the key to how we can stay awake and stay with Jesus in verse 36. It's the word Abba. The word Abba is an Aramaic word that literally translated means Papa. It was a very intimate and informal word that children would use to call their fathers. Kind of like how my boys sometimes call me Daddy. And, And because of the very intimate and personal nature of the word abba the jews did not address god in this way they felt that was disrespectful they didn't feel that personally connected to god in an intimate way so they would never refer to god as abba but jesus does in this story that's the kind of intimate relationship jesus had with god the father that he can come to god and say abba papa daddy Take this cup from me. And I'll tell you this. As a father myself, there is nothing in this world that moves my heart more deeply than when one of my boys is hurting, when they're scared, when they don't understand what ha- what's going on, when they don't know what's happening, and they cry out and they say, Daddy, help! Daddy, help me! If I hear that, I will go through anyone. I will go around anyone. I will move heaven and earth. I will do whatever I can to get to their rescue because they are my kids. And when they cry out, Daddy, I need help, I will be there. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus had with God the Father. He cries out, Daddy, help me. And guess what? His prayer was ignored. So that yours could be answered. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus switched places with us. We should have been arrested. No false accusations would have been needed at our trial because we are guilty. We should have been the ones to hang on that cross. The cup of God's wrath was our cup to drink. But Jesus switched places with us. And he drank the cup of God's wrath for us. And, and, he, and he took our place so that we could have his place. He became a condemned sinner in our place so that we could become children of God. Just like him. Galatians 4.6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The key to all this is having a relationship with God. The intimate, deep, personal connection with God where he is your daddy. Where you can come to him with all the pain and all the struggles and all the suffering. And you could say, daddy, help me. Daddy, help. I need this. Daddy, it hurts. And when God the Father hears His kids crying out for help, He will move heaven and earth to come to where you are and to walk through that with you and to pour His love out on you because He is your Papa. He is your Daddy. And you are His child. And He loves His kids. That's the God that we serve And that's why Jesus said, Abba, Father. And his prayer was ignored so that ours could be answered. The key to staying awake and staying with Jesus is to bring your suffering to your Abba, Father, to your Papa, God, to your Daddy, and receive his love poured out for you. Suffering is part of his plan and the pain is real, but our God is a Daddy who works through that pain to love us and lavish such grace and mercy on us that we can't even comprehend. If you don't have that kind of deep, intimate, personal relationship with God where he is your daddy, you can. And that's the first step to walking through the challenges and the sufferings of life. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and I'm going to invite some prayer partners to come up We're going to respond. Jesus said, watch and pray. When you're facing the the darkest times in life, watch and pray. And so we're going to do that this morning. There's going to be some prayer partners that come up and stand along the front. Um, And if you filled out one of those uh, comment cards, one of those prayer cards earlier in the service, you're invited to bring your card up to the front, and we will pray over that prayer request right here, right now for you while the band leads us in, in worship. If you didn't fill out one of those cards, but you're going through something, struggle, uh, some struggle in life, and you're going through a difficult season, a challenge, and you want us to pray with you, be real, be honest, bring that up. We will pray with you. We will cry out to our daddy this morning, and he will lavish his love on you.